1: Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with extreme violence and graphic content. It may not be suitable for all listeners. Caution is advised.
0: On the morning of May 24, 2016, Olga Cassian was looking after her newborn granddaughter, Diana. Olga had traveled from Ukraine to Los Angeles just a month earlier to help her daughter, Yana. The baby was born on May 3rd, Olga's 60th birthday. 30 year old Yana Cassian was thrilled to be a first time mother but just a few weeks after the baby was born, Jana discovered her fiancé had been cheating on her, so she left and was staying with her mother temporarily. According to Jana, her boyfriend had been acting strange since the baby's birth. She told her mother that he was jealous of the attention she was paying the baby and had been demanding sex even though she was still recovering from a cesarean. The day before, Olga and her daughter had been out shopping for baby strollers when Jana got a series of frantic texts from her boyfriend. Jana asked her mother to mind the baby while she went to see him. Now, a day later, Olga had not heard from Jana, and she was getting worried. She sensed that something was wrong. Her daughter would not leave her newborn baby. When her daughter still hadn't gotten in touch later that night, Olga contacted the West Hollywood police. But it was hard for Olga to relay her concerns as she spoke very little English. Help! Uh, help me, there, Initially, the police didn't seem too concerned and advised Olga to wait until her daughter contacted her. Still feeling very worried... Olga went to the apartment herself, but couldn't get into the gated property. Help me, she pleaded, calling the police multiple times. 48 hours went by before the sheriff's department finally agreed to do a welfare check on Jana Kasian. With the key obtained from the realtor, the attending officers tried the front door of the apartment but something was blocking it from the inside. Using force, the police broke down the door. Moving inside the apartment, they reached the bedroom, but the door was also barricaded. Calling out, they finally convinced the man on the other side of the door to open it. Inside the bedroom was 35-year-old Blake Liebel, a wealthy Toronto-born publisher of graphic novels. Disheveled and confused looking, he was sitting on the bed in his underwear. And there was another figure on the bed, covered in a Mickey Mouse comforter. Pulling back the blanket, the police officers uncovered the body of Yana Kasian and one of the most horrific murder scenes they had ever encountered. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and in this podcast, I'm bringing you the true story of a lavish Hollywood lifestyle that ultimately ended in a brutal murder. It's the story of two people. One was a beautiful young woman in a new country with a newborn baby daughter and hopes of a bright future, and the other was her fiance a privileged narcissist preoccupied with violence and used to getting his own way. But when his world began to crumble, she would pay the ultimate price. And like a script from a B-grade horror film, he would use his own violent graphic novel as a blueprint for murder. This is Hollywood Horror Story. The murder of Yana Cassian.
1: Torture may have
0: brand new mother is found dead, and the father of her baby is under
2: arrest.
0: The A West Hollywood murder mystery is unfolding tonight. A brand new mother is found dead, and the father of her baby is under arrest. It happened at an apartment at Holloway Drive near Santa Monica Boulevard. We're hearing from neighbors that the victim's mother knew something was wrong and asked police to come here to check on her daughter. Yana Kassian loved living in Los Angeles, California. It was a dream come true for the petite brunette, who was born in Estonia in 1986. When she was young, her family had moved to Ukraine where her father worked in the Navy yards and her mother worked in healthcare, Yana attended law school in Kiev and worked for several years prosecuting tax crimes in her home country. She spoke fluent English and dreamed of traveling to work as an interpreter and model, an aspiration that came true when she immigrated to the US in 2014. And it was there in her new adopted city of Los Angeles that she met an impressive, up-and-coming Hollywood producer and publisher named Blake Liebel. Blake Liebel was born in Toronto on May 8, 1981. Raised in the city's upper-class Forest Hill neighbourhood, His father was Lorne Liebel, a former Olympic sailor turned real estate developer. The senior Liebel had made a fortune in the suburban building boom of the 1980s and 90s, and his company, Canada Homes, was once described as the largest home builder in the country. The flamboyant billionaire real estate developer owned a fleet of Ferraris and was reportedly a well-known playboy about town. Blake's mother, Eleanor, was the daughter of Paul Cheadle, a wealthy businessman who had turned a plastic sheeting company into a multi-million dollar enterprise called Polytarp Products Limited. Blake's parents separated when he was young, but they never divorced. Blake lived with his mother, while his older brother Cody stayed with their father. With money coming in from both sides of the family, Blake lived a life of privilege and hung out with other kids from some of Toronto's wealthiest families. In the early 2000s, after graduating from the University of Western Ontario, Blake and a few of his rich friends decided to move to Los Angeles, California to try to make it big. With trust funds and family money to burn, it wasn't difficult for the Canadian bachelors to start attracting a lot of attention in L.A.'s party scene. Blake's older brother, Cody, was already living a glamorous Hollywood lifestyle, having founded a short-lived record label called C-Note Records. But like his father... Cody also got involved in real estate and at 23 he became the world's youngest owner of a 1.2 million dollar Ferrari Enzo, one of only a few hundred in existence. Cody also had a reputation as a high stakes gambler and was on the A-list of underground poker games along with celebrities and well-known sports figures. But while his brother enjoyed the Hollywood playboy lifestyle, Blake Liebel considered himself to be more of a creative genius. As a kid, he'd been heavily into video games and comics, and now he wanted to turn some of his own ideas into Hollywood blockbusters. He began networking and pitching ideas about science fiction, psychology, and serial killers. He eventually founded a publishing house called Fantasy Prone with two of his friends from Toronto and worked with them on a TV adaptation of Spaceballs, the 1987 Mel Brooks movie. Blake also wrote and directed a low-budget feature film titled Bald that went straight to DVD in 2009. But Blake was pushy and eventually started gaining attention in L.A. with his comics and graphic novels. His most successful work was a graphic novel called Syndrome. Published in 2010, the book followed Dr. Wolf Cheadle, a neuropathologist who shared Blake's grandfather's name. In the novel, the mysterious Dr. Cheadle character was on a quest to study a serial killer and find a cure to the disease that made, quote, men like him do terrible things. The novel included gory illustrations of a headless female body lying on a blood-soaked mattress, as well as two people hung from their feet, drained of their blood. The cover of the book showed a disturbing photoshopped picture of a baby doll head with most of its skull removed to reveal the brain. On the inside, Blake had written a cryptic two-page introduction to the story where he asked, If you loved hurting things, what would you do? Blake was hopeful he could turn the graphic novel into a Hollywood screenplay. But there would be little interest in his macabre storytelling until several years later, when it appeared to be a template for horror. In 2011, Blake's mother, Eleanor, died of brain cancer in Toronto. And while he did not attend her funeral, he sued to have her will overturned that left only half of her estate to him and the other half to his father, Lorne. Eleanor's estate was worth over $12 million, and Blake wanted it all. He was living large in L.A., and his mother's death threatened to put a halt to his lavish lifestyle. That same year, he married Amanda Braun, a former model that he had met in 2006. One month later, she gave birth to their first son. The couple lived in a 1926 Tudor-inspired Beverly Hills home, and Blake was a regular at the Soho House, a private club on Sunset Boulevard. Blake was enjoying his newfound, low-level notoriety as a young creative in Hollywood. But in documents from the civil lawsuit against his mother's estate, Blake confessed to having almost no income of his own. After his mother died, he told the court he had to rely on his father to pay his credit card bills. And his father told the court that he and Blake's mother had supported their son's L.A. lifestyle, having given him a home and close to $2 million dollars since he moved to California. Blake lost the lawsuit in 2013 and was then sued by the law firm that represented him in the case, claiming he owed $400,000 in unpaid legal fees. For the rich kid from Toronto, his Hollywood dream was beginning to collapse. And according to those who knew him best, there were already signs that all was not well with Blake Liebel. He had a heavy marijuana habit and seemed to be getting more paranoid. He was concerned that his brother Cody, who was a gambler in high-stakes poker games, owed money to potentially dangerous characters. Blake feared that they might come after him or his family. Blake began cutting ties to most of his Toronto friends he had moved to L.A. with. Then, in July 2015, he suddenly walked out on his wife, Amanda Braun, and their young son. At the time, Amanda was eight months pregnant with their second son. And soon after, he had a new girlfriend. Her name was Yana Cassian an attractive 29-year-old former lawyer from Ukraine. And within a few months of dating, she was also pregnant. The couple moved into an upscale apartment in West Hollywood, and Blake bought Yana a Mercedes-Benz SUV. Yana was looking forward to the baby's arrival, but there were already problems brewing in the new relationship. It turned out that Blake was seeing another woman, named Constance Bukafuri, a storyboard artist he had met several years earlier. She was also living in a house Blake owned. On may third, 2016, Yana gave birth to a daughter they named Diana. Liebel seemed very happy in the first few days after his daughter was born, but continued to send anxious texts to friends about Russian mobsters coming after him because of his brother's gambling debts. Then, on May 20th, Blake was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault. His other girlfriend, Constance Bukafury, had called the police to report a prior sexual assault from months earlier. Blake spent 15 hours in jail before posting $100,000 in bail. When Jana Kasyan learned of the arrest, she moved out of the apartment the two were sharing and in with her mother, Olga, who was visiting from Kiev. A few days later, on Tuesday, May 24th, Jana and her mother were out shopping with the baby when Jana began receiving desperate texts from Blake. He was telling her that he was sorry and that he could not live without her. Against her mother's wishes, Jana finally agreed to meet him for a short visit. I'm going to him, Jana told her mother. Olga returned to her rental apartment with the baby and waited for her daughter to return. But sadly, she never did. As the hours ticked by on that Tuesday afternoon, Olga became more and more concerned. She hadn't heard from Yana and calls to her cell phone went straight to voicemail. Fearing for her daughter's safety, Olga took a cab over to the apartment Yana and Blake had shared. She knocked, she yelled, but no one came to the door. The next day, Olga went to an L.A. County Sheriff's detachment near Blake's apartment. With the help of a Russian interpreter, she convinced a deputy to go with her back to the unit. But once again, when they knocked, no one answered. Olga asked the police to break down the door, but the deputies didn't think they had enough cause and left the apartment complex. By that point, Olga was frantic. She could not reach Jana, who had been away from her infant daughter for over 24 hours, and she was with Blake Liebel, a man who had just days earlier been arrested on suspicion of sexual assault. The next morning, Olga went back to the police station begging them to check on her daughter's well-being. This time, the police agreed to enter the apartment if no one answered. They obtained a key from the real estate agent but when they tried to open the front door, they couldn't. A makeshift barricade of bedding and furniture was blocking the door. The police eventually removed the front door off its hinges to gain entry to the condo. All was quiet in the apartment. Moving down the hallway, they saw the first signs of something wrong, blood on the wall the police moved towards the master bedroom, which was also locked. But they could hear movement inside. Suddenly, Blake Liebel yelled that he wasn't coming out and that Jana wasn't home. The police could hear Blake talking to someone on his phone. It was one of his friends urging him to surrender. Finally, a disheveled, wide-eyed Blake Liebel opened the bedroom door, wearing only boxer shorts. The police noticed right away that he had cuts and bruises on his face and what appeared to be a bite mark on his arm. He said nothing. Then, looking at the bed, the officers could see a figure lying underneath a Mickey Mouse comforter. But there was no movement. Pulling back the blanket they discovered the mutilated body of Yana Cassian. Homicide investigators were quickly called to the scene, and for veteran detectives William Cotter and Robert Martindale, it was unlike anything they had ever seen before. Yana's pale, nude body showed obvious signs of torture and trauma. As the police led a handcuffed Blake Liebel out of the apartment and into a police car, a crowd of curious onlookers had gathered. But standing alone, away from the crowd, was a middle-aged woman anxiously waiting to find out about the welfare of her daughter. Moments later, homicide detectives Cotter and Martindale approached her. They were about to inform Olga Cassian of the worst news she would ever hear in her life. On June 3rd, 2016, one week after the discovery of Yana Cassian's body, Blake Liebel walked into a Los Angeles courtroom in a padded suicide prevention vest with his hands cuffed in front of him. And a thick chain around his waist. The former Hollywood wannabe looked unkept and vacant. From the glass walled prisoner's box, he looked around the almost empty room. No one was there. None of his former Toronto friends, his brother, or his estranged wife. Blake Liebel was charged with first degree murder, torture, and mayhem in the death of Yana Cassian the elements of torture included the intent to cause cruel and extreme pain and suffering for revenge extortion or sadistic purposes if found guilty he could face the california death penalty he pleaded not guilty to all counts his lawyer then suggested he might not be fit to stand trial. The judge agreed. Blake would undergo a psychiatric assessment. Two weeks later, he was due back in court for a competency hearing, but he refused to leave his jail cell. Regardless, he would be found mentally fit to stand trial. The murder trial of Blake Liebel began on June 11, 2018, two years after the brutal murder of his girlfriend, who had just given birth to their daughter. Deputy District Attorney Tanis Makaev told jurors in her opening statement that she would prove that Liebel planned and calculated Yana Kassian's murder acting out details he took from one of his own graphic novels. This case reads like a Hollywood movie script, she said in her opening statement. He was a rich kid from Toronto, living a lavish L.A. lifestyle as a film producer and graphic novelist, said the prosecutor. Blake Liebel is accused of a brutal murder that in some ways mirrored his art, she continued. But there is nothing cinematic or lavish about what you will see in photos of the victim, she told the jury. The first witness called to testify was Olga Cassian, Yana's mother. Using a court-appointed interpreter, the 62-year-old grandmother recounted her desperate pleas to the police to locate her daughter after she had gone to see Blake Liebel at the apartment they shared. Distressed when she had not heard from Yana she herself had gone to the West Hollywood apartment hoping to gain access but was unable to get into the locked compound. After repeated requests the police had finally agreed to do a welfare check on her daughter but by that time it was far too late. Yana was already dead. On the second day of the trial, Los Angeles Homicide Detective Sergeant William Cotter took the stand to testify about the crime scene he had encountered in Blake Liebel's apartment two years earlier. But before his testimony started, the prosecutor leaned over and spoke to Olga Akassian, warning her about what was to come, but Olga refused to leave. She sat stoically beside a few friends while Sergeant Cotter referred to the graphic images displayed on the courtroom monitor. In photo after photo, the detective described the apartment where Jana was found dead, lying on a bloodstained mattress beneath a Mickey Mouse comforter. In his testimony, Sergeant Cotter pointed out smudged bloodstains on the drapes, on the headboard in the guest room, and on a lamp. He said it was obvious Blake had tried to clean up the stains. Then he described the photo of Yana's lifeless naked body sprawled on the mattress in the master bedroom, with trauma to her head so severe it was unrecognizable. I stood there for a while, Sergeant Cotter said, of the first time he entered the bedroom. Nothing in his long career had prepared him for what he was looking at. The injuries she suffered were horrific and unspeakable, he told the court. Yana had been scalped, and her body was eerily and unusually pale. It wasn't simply the killing of somebody, the detective said. It was sadistic. The detective went on to tell the jury that when they arrested Blake at the scene, he had scratches and bruises on his face and a bite mark on his arm. She fought hard, said Sergeant Cotter. They also discovered $4,000 in cash and Blake's passport in the pocket of his pants. It looked like he was planning on cleaning up the apartment, disposing of the body, and taking off, probably back to Canada. After his arrest, Blake seemed surprised when he was told Yana was dead and refused to acknowledge any involvement in the brutal crime. But he told the homicide detectives that, quote, science would tell them who did it. And he was right. Science would explain exactly what had happened in that apartment. The next witness to testify for the prosecution was a forensic pathologist who explained how blood found throughout the apartment matched the victim and how DNA found at the crime scene belonged to both Yana Kasian. And Blake Liebel. Blood evidence was collected from all over the apartment and was even found in the kitchen drain pipe. Crime scene specialists found pieces of flesh from Cassian's mutilated body in the bed, behind the mattress, and on the floor. The bedsheet also bore distinctive bloody handprints that matched Liebel's hand exactly which was missing part of the right pinky finger. Noticing a garbage chute outside the apartment door, investigators went to the basement of the condominium to see if any other evidence could be located. There, they found 11 trash bags, many of which contained bloody sheets and clothes. But some of the bags also contained body parts belonging to Yana pieces of her hair and scalp, and in one bag they discovered her right ear. Next on the stand was Dr. James Ribe, of the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, who in calm clinical detail described Jana's wounds. Jana's entire scalp was traumatically absent, except for a few parts at the back of her neck. It appeared that the scalp had been cut by a sharp object and then torn from her head. Also, portions of her face were torn away, including her eyebrows and right ear. As the pathologist spoke, images of the autopsy appeared on a monitor for all to see. There was complete silence in the courtroom. An elderly juror shook his head. Then a woman in the audience said she felt faint and had to be helped out of the courtroom. Olga Cassian stared at the violent imagery intently, forcing herself to look at the images of her daughter before crying softly and burying her head in her hands. But Dr. Ribe wasn't finished. In addition to the obvious torture to the body, there was another disturbing detail. When he examined Yana Kassian's body, he discovered that it contained almost no blood. The average human body contains about five liters of blood, he explained to the jury. But the victim had less than a teaspoon, he said. A dead body cannot bleed out, he explained, which meant that the victim had likely been alive for the duration. Defensive wounds on her hands also indicated she had been alive while being tortured. Dr. Ribe concluded that Jana Cassian had likely suffered for up to eight hours before she finally succumbed. I have never seen this before, said the pathologist, and I doubt. Hardly any forensic pathologists in this country or abroad have ever seen this, outside of perhaps wartime. It is extremely rare. Jana Kassian had died from exsanguination. All of the blood in her body had been drained. On the last day of the trial, The prosecution had called 13 witnesses to the stand. The defense had called none. In her closing remarks, Deputy District Attorney Beth Silverman asked the question that had hung heavily over the case from the beginning. Why? I'm sure you've asked yourself the question of why, she said to the jury. Why would a human being do anything close to this to another human being. And why do that to someone he supposedly loved, someone he just had a baby with? She conceded that motive was often difficult to discern, but offered clues as to what may have driven Liebel to such extremes. Power, jealousy, and anger were likely at play, she said, suggesting that Liebel May have been jealous that Cassian's attention had been diverted away from him and toward the newborn. Blake Liebel was a privileged narcissist who was used to getting what he wanted, and he controlled those around him with money, said Silverman. So when Yana left him, he decided that she would have to pay. But this was evil. Silverman said bluntly. Miss Cassian died a slow and painful death. He continued to mutilate her bit by bit. An expert medical testimony had shown that Yana was alive for at least eight hours during the torture. Blake Liebel had dragged her body through the apartment and submerged her underwater in the bathtub the running water would have stopped her blood from clotting. And we know that the defendant had ample time to stop and change his mind, she added. Security footage from the condo showed that Blake had managed to have food delivered several times in the two days he was alone with Jana. He threw away pieces of his girlfriend, like she was trash, Silverman told the jurors. Silverman also reminded the jury that it appeared Liebel used syndrome, the graphic novel he funded and helped develop as a reference for his torture. The novel, whose cover depicts a baby doll with a partly removed scalp, also includes illustrations of torture and bloodletting. The defendant basically handed us a blueprint. A case of life imitating art, said the prosecutor. Wrapping up her closing arguments, Silverman asked jurors to recall a quote written by Blake in his graphic novel. Quote, In the end, we all become monsters. Blake Liebel's attorney, Deputy Public Defender Haida Takashugi, began her closing arguments by acknowledging the sadness and anger she witnessed in the juror's eyes during the trial. Sorrow fell over the courtroom, she noted, when Olga Cassian took the stand. The defense attorney told the jurors that she hoped they could look at the evidence critically. If they did that, she said, they would no doubt acquit her client. Takashugi stressed that Liebel didn't write or illustrate syndrome, adding that the cover image of the scalped baby was someone else's idea. We're reaching for something that simply is not there, she said. Though Takashugi didn't offer another potential suspect, she attempted to poke holes in the idea that her client was the perpetrator by asking jurors to think about the trash bags found in the condo's dumpster which contained some of Cassian's body parts as well as a t-shirt that belonged to Liebel DNA samples retrieved from the drawstrings of the three bags the defense attorney noted didn't match her client but revealed genetic evidence of an unknown male the trial had lasted six days On June 20, 2018, the jury returned with a verdict. After deliberating for less than four hours, they found Blake Liebel guilty of first-degree murder, aggravated mayhem, and torture. Dressed in a blue blazer and white shirt, Liebel remained motionless, staring straight ahead. His brother Cody, who had sat behind him every day of the trial, also showed little emotion. But on the other side of the courtroom, Yana's mother, Olga Kassian, broke into tears. Family and friends, many of whom had flown in from Ukraine to offer support, hugged one another. Their nightmare was over, and Blake Liebel, would pay for what he had done to Jana. One week later, Olga Kassian would finally have her say. Her hands trembled as she addressed the court. With the assistance of a Russian interpreter, she told the judge that since her daughter's murder, her life had turned into a hell of endless suffering. She described how her mind would often race with thoughts of Jana's dying hours and the slow torture she endured. And she now lives with an agonizing reality that the man who murdered her daughter is the father of her beloved granddaughter. The life of this little angel began with the fact that her father massacred her mother, she said as she glared at Blake Liebel she ended her impassioned statement with a plea that everyone go home and hug their children. Dressed in a yellow jail uniform, a heavier, balding Blake Lebel remained expressionless. Superior Court Judge Mark Windham addressed the court, saying that the case was most unusual in its savagery and that the defendant had exhibited inconceivable cruelty in his actions. He then praised the jury, saying he couldn't imagine a more difficult case. He sentenced Blake Liebel to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The state had not sought the death penalty. Outside the courthouse, Olga Cassian hugged Detective Sergeant William Cotter, who two years earlier had told her of her daughter's death standing outside the West Hollywood apartment. The seasoned police officer crumpled into her arms and cried. It was just an ordinary spring day in Los Angeles in May, 2016, when a mother's intuition told her something was wrong. Her daughter was in danger, and she was right. Her frantic pleas to the local police finally led them to a house of horrors. And in the days and months that followed, the world flocked to the story, to the gore and the money and the fame. It was a Hollywood horror tale that literally took place in Hollywood. A rich kid from Canada Living a lavish L.A. lifestyle, was accused of a gruesome crime that seemed connected to his work, a graphic novel depicting gruesome images of torture and bloodletting, but strip away all the Hollywood sensationalism, and it was a horror story, too often repeated in our society, a crime of domestic violence a woman, killed by her partner. In March 2019, Yana's family won a wrongful death suit against Blake Liebel. A Los Angeles County Superior Court judge ordered Blake to pay $41.6 million U.S. to the family. This murder didn't just kill one person, It shattered the entire family, said an attorney representing the Cassians. The lawyer added that the payout would help Olga Cassian raise her granddaughter, a little girl who will never know her mother and who one day will find out what her father did. To date, Yana's parents have not received any money and have never heard from anyone in Blake Liebel's family.
2: This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast,
1: written and
2: produced by Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers
1: Music. Visit us at storyhunterpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter to get more information and updates about new podcasts. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this story and others, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and feel free to leave us a review. We appreciate you listening.